Oh. Dennis, my friend, what's up? Are you, oh, so what's you up? I a... was just thinking about things. I knew a guy who was born in a toilet. Yeah. And he always used to tell the story and how he built himself up from the ground up. He was, you know, a knock around kind of boy, this and that and the other. And eventually he'd always say, with some absolute clear resignation and almost wishing he hadn't got to it again, he said, I was born in the toilet. My mother didn't know she was having a baby. She thought she had to take a shit. And I was dropped into the toilet. And the look on his face when he told it wasn't one of, and look what's happened to me now. It was one of resignation. Poor dude. He's dead now. Was his name John? Is there a punchline here? What? It's a story. You can, you can. It's the first story of the episode. I'm, well, that's fucking you dark. You said, "How are you doing?" And I said, "I was thinking about this. Do I need to give you a replay already? I, are you in your dunderhead mode? Are you well, thick-headed, thick-skulled, thick-browed? You are thick-browed. I can see it's it. not so much of a mode as a as a genetic predisposition, as a commode. A commode." <laughs> That's the second attempt at being clever. This one worked. Okay. I forgot the first one already. I'll give you you a three out of ten since you started scoring me last week. (laughs) That's a good story. I'll give you a five out of ten. So this evening I'm drinking a Spanish IPA. The can is beautiful. Like Barcelona. No. Mao. Mao is the brand, so it's probably from uh, Madrid. In Madrid, they only drink a beer called Mao, which you would, think, you would think that's communist, but yeah. Uh, and so this is a session IPA, but it's a beautiful can. And in fact, like the top of the can is black. It's like, oh, cool. I've never seen anything. And it's just really that pretty. Is weird. That is very and, and it jumped out at me at the supermarket, and I was like, what the hell? I'll try that. I'll try to taste that. It, it's really quite And as it stands? It's really quite bad. Quite good. But, oh, is it? Yeah. Oh. But I bought like a six pack. I gotta, well, I'm not going like to throw it, it away. The, third beer. the thing to do is drink it all in one night and buy the third beer. You'll like it. And eat a lot of potato chips so you're really thirsty. And you'll like it. You say, oh, yeah. About the third beer, you say, this has become satisfying as you're gagging on potato chips and choking down a third beer or That's... guzzling it down, whatever you're. So I am, I am finishing my happy hour part one with the missus, which is finishing up my doers. And I'm about to uh, switch to, you understand, my favorite of favorites. I told the story of buying uh, more than I usually do because I got tired of going to the store. There it is. Whoop, there it is. Mm-hmm. Whoop, there it is. There it is. Nice, nice, baby. Nice. Right. I am upset Ooh. today. Oh no! I'm. Why are you upset, little Eric? I'm uh, oh. kind of angry. Eric is upset, listeners, and angry too. Yes. Oh. I would like to vent my frustration. Okay. So today, while my kids were at school, we, my wife and I, and other people who I will mention shortly, received a mobile message, like an SMS, a WhatsApp message, from. Our school from the principal saying, so there's been a case. Indeed. It read, as you know, there was a child in the class that was quarantined last Thursday and their, their test has come back positive. But per protocol, we see no need to quarantine any other children. So 
First of all, the use of as you know <laughs> is fucking bullshit there because nobody knew. No one told us anything. It was just— There wasn't an email that preceded it. No. It was an announcement about a case. Yeah. And so we were like, it's first crazy. of all, okay, so fuck you on many levels. First of all, the use of as you know without having previously informed us is really bad. Having not previously informed us is pretty bad. And then going on to tell us like that there we see no reason to protect your children is also like uh what the what the fuck and so I shouldn't have but I responded your first initial response any editing or was it your second or your third response how long in the day did you finally Press send. How many times did you start it? Give, give me the details. Oh, I, I, or was I, it just right away? I thought it through for a while, but it was okay. So first of all, uh, another bad communication point is we, my wife and I, receive two copies of every message that they send out to the whole school because we have two children and each of them apparently count as needing a message sent to us. So whenever there's a message yeah. sent to the parents of every child, we get two of them. This one, there was only one, and they said a child in the class. Didn't tell us which class. Didn't tell us anything. Just nothing. My wife wrote back and said, what do you mean we didn't know anything? Which class are you referring to? And we got the message back that it was my son's class, my, the second grade class. So that was more information than we had before. And of course, I guess it's reasonable that they don't tell you the name of the child. But again, it didn't take long to ask the children when they came out of school, hey, who hasn't been in school lately? But so I responded and I said, when your fuck face, yeah, <laughs> I said, why didn't you your tell fuck us? Face. First of all, fuck you. Yeah. As I didn't know you, you, you know, I didn't know. So you lied twice. You lied when you wrote it and you lied when you sent it. Number one. So fuck you there. Number two. And you're lying now as you read this. You for not to, okay, good. Let me hear it. No, I said that we, that the, that starting your, that starting with, as you know, is I feel is inappropriate because we had no previous communication about this. And the principal wrote back and said, oh, that's just a little colloquialism that we use here that maybe you wouldn't understand. Immediately going so, to you're the foreigner, maybe you don't so, understand. So what your email should have said, as you may know, but even if you did, you probably wouldn't understand, comma. Right, exactly. Right. 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 He meant to say more about your shortcomings. Okay. A little colloquialism. Right. What is it like starting a thing with dear sir? Is that the colloquialism? No. You lie and fuck. It's like, you're not in the and I double checked with all other words parents. Words or words, Spanish, uh, English, whatever, as you know, is previous knowledge. Right. Exactly. What a dick. Yeah. You tell him. So I'm anyway, yeah. I'm going to send that fucking guy an email. You forward me that email. Okay. Trust me. So the other can only help you. The other, yes. you could send an email, but he wouldn't understand. No, I could send an email, but then he'd read it and say, "I already knew that." So, the other thing that annoys me is the fact that they only sent it to the parents of one class. Means that if there were a sick child in any other grade, we would have no way of knowing because they wouldn't inform us. Yes. Like the fact that we have so two, apparently. the fact that we have two channels from different right. classes to receive the information, and they only send it on one channel, lets me know that there's no, like if 
any other child was sick in another class, we would have no way of, of knowing. Right? Why, wouldn't they, why wouldn't they just issue a weekly COVID uh, status report? Exactly. Like I want to know how many kids what, were transparency. How many kids were quarantined right because they it. had because they had a fever? How many kids were not sent to school because they have a relative that was te- that tested positive? Because I know of at least one or two of those. And how many kids have tested positive? That level of transparency would be just fine, and then we could make our own decisions. But the fact that they're hiding information just annoys the living fuck out of me. It's not so much that they're hiding it. That's a more well, it's, of a it's, 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 subjective accusation. The, it's, the sin of omission, sin of omission yeah. is indeed a mighty sin. It's indeed a mighty sin. It shows actually something that's even worse than a lack of judgment. It shows a lack of intelligence. Judgment you can fix. Intelligence, you can't fix it. If they're dumb as rocks, you can work on it all you want. They're still going to be fucking stupid. Whoever's in charge of this shit is stupid. Here's the other thing. Surrounded by stupid people. Because everybody who's part of this so-called, quote-unquote, communication system, everybody who's part of it, everybody who's opted into it has decided that this degree of transparency is appropriate. So you have a legion of fools who are not so much probably evil in any way. They're just fucking stupid. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're dealing with stupid people, you've got to instruct them. As opposed to if you're dealing with evil people, you have to fucking destroy them. And stupid people love to be instructed. Stupid people, oh baby, you're such a drag. No, it's not. It's not like I can go and and mansplain this to everyone and be like, okay, look, this is the way things should be run around here, because they're not going to take. They're not going to like that. When with colored charts, and the colored charts are stick figures, and you say. This is my child walking to school, nice and colorful. Then you show the next card. It says, this is my child mixing it up with his class. And, oh, you see in the background, the other classes. And then the third card is, this is you telling me what's going on there. And you show in the stick figure of them, their eyeballs showing a beam of light of what's going on. And then you have a blank screen and you write right in the middle of it. This is called transparency. Four flashcards. They'll get it. I'll work on this for you. I'll do the PowerPoint. How about okay. it? Instructive. Fourth grade language. Okay. No more than six words per line. No more than three lines per slide. An educational seminar. We'll use a whiteboard. Transparency we'll is a pretty a long word. See-through. <laughs> See-through. So did you see the did you see the shit on online about over the holidays of Melania Trump wearing a white dress that was apparently see-through when it rained at an event? No. And the over news what outlets are it was Fourth of July, so it was sometime oh. it's an old feat apparently, but it came up somehow. And it described seeing <laughs> I got a kick on this, seeing the first lady's nipples. <laughs> and it was a juxtaposition of the formal term the first lady, which was uh, capitalized. Right. And nipples, which wasn't. I wonder if nipples should have been capitalized. They are after all the first lady's nipples. The first nipples. Think about it. Think about it. We have gotta have respect Call for the trumples. For the first Call nipples. Call them trumples. 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 Yeah, let's not do that. Trumple stilt skin. Hey, so he's talking now about Wait, Trumple stilt skin. Trumple's kilts. Trumple's kilts skin. He's Scottish. Trumple's kilts skins.
And the picture is no. Trump in a kilt, no. lifting it, showing his junk, which is fucking on fire. In his nipples? But you can see through the flames that it's the size of a fucking little mushroom cap. Oh. So it's the size of a nipple. It's called a trumple. It's called a skittle. A skittle skin. Kilt. Uh, kittle. Skittles. Where's that whiteboard you're talking about? We need to work on this. It's in my head. <laughs> it's in my head. Wait, let's erase it. Oh no! We used oh no! Indelible magic marker on the whiteboard. Were you ever the guy who had to get those marks off? I was. I was the guy who had to get the permanent marker off because I'm part OCD. I couldn't possibly use a whiteboard that had the remnants of a permanent marker. Right. I couldn't do that. And so I ended up, I remember one time I ended up pouring gasoline on and that cleaned it up pretty well. But it was unfortunate that somebody in the class inadvertently lit a cigarette and the whole fucking place went into flame, fucking blew up like a goddamn pinata. Yeah, that's the problem with the whiteboards. Plus, you start sniffing the markers and it's just. Oh, who have you ever happen? used the marker on a whiteboard and not sniffed it? Because I never have. It doesn't, have my, it doesn't matter how many people are there, whether I'm giving a training in a fucking nunnery, I will fucking sniff it. And I always look at the audience and say, I do that every time. And they I mean, get it because they all do it too. You might have done it. They all bring out their magic markers and they start sniffing them. Three or four people take out their valises. They got them. They sniff them. The women, some of them reach in their purses. They got a, a Sharpie. They right. sniff it. Everybody sniffs for a second. And by the time I open up my first line, everyone thinks it's fucking uproarious. Yeah, I think we've all been there. Magic marker hilarity. And different colors you sniff make you act different ways. Hey, when hey. you sniff red, it makes you crazy when you laugh. And when you sniff black, it makes your humor dark. Look. If you sniff around, be careful. It'll make you shit yourself. Why do you think they call them that? Magic. Magic. <laughs> you sniff Whoa, yellow, man. It's like I get it now. Happy and everything's uplifting, right? Sniff green, you just talk too fast, moving through it. Orange, you, you fucking start talking like Trump. These are the best markers ever. Nobody's ever used markers like I can use markers. I use markers to show the extension of the hurricane. Told you I was right. Oh, Leslie. Oh, Leslie, you're just so rude. You're just so rude. Same walk out on 60 Minutes. Every president of the fucking United States in modern times wants to be on 60 Minutes. It's a badge of honor. And when you finally make it and you're finally there, you treat it accordingly. So they did a series of both presidential and vice presidential candidates. And during the presidential candidate, fucking Trump ended it early and walked off. He is acting like a petulant child. And it's all oh. captured. Immemorial. The difference between what you saw online and leaking out. I saw the 37-minute version that Trump's office release, just showing how stupid they are. Wait, but when they put it into minutes. the show. I'm not that stupid. Huh? If you want 60 minutes, you can't only be there for 37 minutes. What the fuck? <laughs> More than one topic. See, there's four people being interviewed. Oh. Of the 37 minutes, they might take for an hour to get 10 minutes, whatever. Like this show. Jesus. But this is a rare 60 minutes in that they don't necessarily try to get the goods on you. They actually don't ask you any so-called tough questions that aren't already clearly the questions they're going to be asked. Right. It's not journalism. <laughs> And, and no, it's pre-known. And so you and I spoke about the the big notebook that they handed her afterwards. Yeah. And you had said erroneously, which I thought at the time, was that there was some evidence that there was blank. And I said at the time, as a guess, which ends up to be true, 
that it was probably filled full of every email, legislative action, different things going on, minutes of meetings that ever touched on healthcare. I was absolutely right. Where did you get information? Where did you get it wrong? Why do you continue to be wrong? And what will you do to not be so wrong in the future? Go. Okay. I'd like to start off with saying how much I love the American people and how I'm going to turn this country around if you elect me. And also, I was great because in the last four years, I've ruined it. Does he not get that? The irony of that slogan? Right. Yeah, it's yeah. You can't use. Let's clean up this shithole for your for your re-election campaign. Yeah, I saw a single image where she was holding it up and it was an empty page, and I jumped on the liberal bandwagon of assuming that all the pages must be empty because if you see one empty page, well, actually, then... actually, the diabolical twist here, Ooh. which shows Trump's genius, is that Trump never had any intention of doing anything but walking off. In being alpha male throughout and trying to dehumanize Leslie Stahl, that was the plan. He continues to follow the advice of Steve Bannon and the former advice of Chris Christie, who now that he caught the COVID is saying, I was wrong about masks. I was wrong about masks. We knew that, you stupid fuck. But anyway. All right, that's it. I'm done with this episode. Fuck you. The advice of Steve Bannon, be the alpha male, own the interview. And he did. And what does that appeal to? 26% of the voting public, who they count on telling their friends who are with them in their domiciles, wherever they are, bringing to the table 10 or 12 people who've never voted before, who aren't part of the polling. They can still do it. And I'm so glad it's tightening because it's a call to arms. 60 million people have already pre-voted. Three times the amount, blah, 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 blah. So here we go. Roller coaster. Eight days. It's going to be a shit show. Yeah, the news today said the Trump campaign is like the thief that stole a set of silver and then bitches afterwards that they got to fucking clean it. Yeah, I hate cleaning all the shit that I've stolen. I hate polishing silver I stole. Yeah. I heard an episode of a podcast by one of the leading podcasting folks at Radiolab of WNYC. And they did this thing that they reported on. They reported on this in June, okay? And the whole story started when one of the people that that started the story was, she's like this Washington insider and was at this cocktail party sometime last year, like last October, October 2019. And they were just talking about Trump as anyone in Washington insider cocktail parties do. And and she said, what if we have an election and he refuses to step down? He loses and refuses to step down. And the person she was talking to, a high-ranking member of the military, said, ah, don't worry, the military won't let that happen. And that got her thinking, wait a minute, what does that mean exactly? What branch of the military, What? who in the military, if the president won't step down, Who's going to come and pull him out of the Oval Office kicking and screaming? The military has no role. It's actually the Secret Service. Okay, but... It, That's true. He, whoever said that is wrong because they don't have a role. Well, hold on. But if the Secret Service are loyal to the president, then what? It's a question of... Well, they're not. They're not. It's not. A, you don't need to pose a hypothetical when the truth is self-evident. Okay, but 
Now, okay, you take but, it, but which it also you're creating it, a television series that's already been shot, then yes, it would, the crisis would we'd have a constitutional crisis and it would have to escalate and it would in fact probably end up on the military. Okay, but, but the military, right? Okay, the voice at the power under the power of Congress, the Twenty so, Fifth Amendment. Would the, yeah, I, but the I that like the basis of that question was if he clearly lost, and that supposes a lot. It supposes that everyone can agree. He clearly lost when? The election. When's not the question? Have you clearly lost through both the voting in the, of the population plus the Electoral College? I mean, he's running now on, a, right. on an right. idea right. that but, he but, could win the Electoral College by one vote. That's right. his campaign strategy now. That's why he's going okay, to but, Bangor fucking Maine. Okay, All but, right? but listen for a second. Uh, it depends on who is counting and how. Because if – who counts the votes, first of all, and who are the electors? And we already have this concept of a – what's it called? A disloyal elector or something that chooses to to vote against the what yes. the majority of their states uh, has chosen. I forget yes. what it's called. That has happened a couple times. But – so it's going to come yeah. down to ballot counting and who do you trust to count ballots. And if one side of the country says – yes. Yeah, you claim that you've counted a million ballots, but how can we believe you? Why would we believe that you're lying? And the other half is it's, no. It's interesting you say this. We really did, but so anyway, the, what they did in this in this, not, not in this episode okay. is they did a, a war game, where they got experts in politics and they assigned everyone roles of okay, you are the Biden campaign, you are the Trump campaign, you are the Fox News, you are MSNBC, you are CNN, you are the. Facebook or whatever, and they ran through this these different scenarios of okay, what if it's ambiguous? What if there's, we're not really sure who wins for several months, and what would that look like? And what would all the sides do to to try and take power and to try and fight this and that? And like it got all of the scenarios that they could possibly come up with got really ugly really quickly. Like they had to stop thinking because it because apparently. The president has the power to call into service ex-military people to defend against insurrection, which is a thing that there's an insurrection clause that has been uh -huh. used a couple uh -huh. times. And but so at any time, the president could tell all ex-military people to grab your guns and go to Houston or St. Louis or wherever, whatever place is having trouble. And it could just get really fucking ugly really quickly. And anyway, so I'm scared. Here's, basically, here's an interesting, an interesting reality: is that as we are speaking, you may access the last uh, episode of the circus, which concludes with an interview with the man who is in charge of the legal preparations for the November third election for the Democratic Party. Mm -hmm. He has not hundreds, not scores, not tens, not scores, not hundreds. He has thousands of attorneys who are already positioning themselves to respond right. to lawsuits in every single 50 state. The good news is unlike some things, like sometimes you're watching a football game and you see the coach calls up the center when, you know, a little run where you know and you scream out, you need to pitch it to the right because it's been open two plays in a row. Those are times when you say, what, if I fucking know that and I'm a stupid shit, why don't you? In this case, the response is different. It's the good news is we have thought of this. And the better news is, so have they. And that episode concludes with the statement from the interviewer, John Heilick. I always get his name fucking wrong. He says, and you're telling me that there's no chance 
that this could go wrong. And this lawyer who's in charge of all this stuff, he was a lawyer for the Obama administration, I believe. He said, he looked directly at the interviewer and he said, no way, we're ready. Uh-huh. And so that's one of the things to imagine is happening with all the money that Biden is raising. He's eclipsing Trump. Last week, right, which is 17... why it, it's which is why it's a chess match. It's which is why they did this war game scenario of okay, we make a move, and now on the next turn you make a move, and then on the but next. But in move. this chess match, was Trump in a weakened or a strong position? They the tried all is, of them. He doesn't have any fucking money. Yeah, but he doesn't have any money to pay a thousand lawyers. Okay, exactly. But okay, but what they did have was what if he did this on social media, and what if this was retweeted around the world on social media. And I think that lawyer might not be taking that into account. He's thinking about law. He's thinking about what is legal and what the judge would say is okay. I disagree. This is what I think about this guy. He's at least as smart as you and I. And if either you and I have any fucking idea that comes to our head, it's already gone into his head. Unlike you and I, he's getting paid a lot of money to think about these things, and he has a team of people to think with him. The odds that there's something that you or I can think of that he hasn't thought of is fucking nil. There's nothing. Nothing. That's my view. But the odds that there is something that he hasn't thought of is not nil. The odds? You just said odds. I said odds. What? Are we going to bring God into this? Who's the only power that could know what the true odds are? What do you mean odds? If he's thought that it could happen, even to the most remote thing, your entire preposition for this issue about odds is wrong. Okay. Fucking the people that I was show the people that I was listening to air. are also super experts and they are worried. And I don't They're worried about what? That something that they thought of won't be thought of? Or differently, are they worried that even though it's been thought of? the response could be ineffective. Okay, you can think that that Trump will nuke California because they voted all liberal, right? That's not saying that you've thought of that and you have a good response. Like, you don't have a good response to that. That's a shitty, that's a total disaster. So just because you might have thought of all the possibilities. Who's going to, the man with the codes, you think that the man with the codes, I didn't say I think that. scenario, is... No, it's a scenario. Okay. It came out of your mouth. Okay. So we're going to, it's fair game. Okay. Let's... In the scenario that you just yep. lively mentioned, the guy with the codes uh-huh. is going to allow Trump to fucking nuke fucking California. You know, not know how the codes work. There's got to be a verification on the judgment of the guy who carries the fucking box. He's not going to nuke fellow Americans. Okay. You're, you're, you're thinking like a logical, reasonable person that doesn't think that Trump is God. But there are oh. people that aren't like that. Like you think the guy carrying the code box thinks Trump is God? He's a QAnon guy? I don't know guy. that he doesn't. That's a possibility. That's a possibility. Let's go there. Let's go there. He's been recruited. It took six years to get him there by QAnon. He thinks Trump is a God. He's just waiting around until Trump says, you know what, bro? We're going to fucking nuke California. That cocksucker, he's fucking done. All those liberals, okay, so- Kamala Harris, that's where she came from. Fuck him. Oh, that's plausible. Is that what you're saying? Mm, I'm saying that at this point, I'm I don't know what is plausible because <laughs> look at what look at where we are. Shit, like the the fact that there's so much doubt being stoked to so many people in that this election is rigged means that 
no matter what happens, probably we'll have won. We'll have had the most votes. But how can you convince 40% of the country that's true? And for, the 40% of the no, country that is heavily percent. armed. Percentage is too high. Way too high. 26. Okay. 20% of the country, 70% of the gun owners. Powerful 40. Yeah. Oh, that's, no, that's not true either. 70% of the gun owners. No, of course not. No, that wouldn't be 20% of the voting public. <laughs> you might want to get that. I don't know. Pulling shit out of my. Militia. Militia. The militia leaning. The same ep- episode of the circus interviewed militia members in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. And it was interesting because it was filmed on the government complex where, with the Capitol in the background under this awning that's a protected walkway to get from the Capitol building to these legislative office buildings and whatnot. And in the place where they sat, I've sat and done some prep work for a meeting I had in the building. And there was something unnerving about listening to these guys talk with their guns and their preparation and their politics and whatever in this interview. Something unnerving about it all happening in a place where I actually sat. It actually riveted it in a way that made it feel not all too real, as the saying goes. I'm not sure what that saying means, but that probably applies here. It was all too real. It was fucking scary as shit. Yeah. And to your point, all right, the the narrators of our era here have said, what's it going to take and will it happen? And we think it might that Trump finally takes the next steps and actually incites his people to violence. Yes. And a hostile takeover of the government. And the fact that when Governor Whitmer here in Michigan yeah, I was about to go was there. A, there, there was befuddled in an attempt to kidnap her when he just gave a speech in Michigan and the crowd, and he said, you got to get your governor to open things up. And the cheers went, lock her up, lock her up. He said to the crowd, lock them all up. Now, it isn't much difference for him to say that exactly the way he said it in Michigan, and then to add to it by looking straight in the camera and saying, I mean it. Right. That would incite them to violence and insurrection. What are the odds that happens? Now there's some odds. Now I'll go with the odds. That but, scares the fuck out of me. Well, and, and, but there's like some percentage of state legislators that are in favor of Trump. And some state legislations are Republican. Legislatures. Legislatures. Chores. Yes, legislatures. <laughs> that would like him to be still in office. And so it's very much a... Decreasingly. And you have to consider at that point, which ones... Let's say the scenario is this, which is the one I long for, of course, which is that the turnout is so great that the unanswered question, which is of the question of today, is, is all this early voting mean that the people who are going to vote on November 3rd are now voting ahead of time? Or is this in addition to the people who are voting November 3rd? Because if it's the latter rather than the former, that a scenario could erupt, that the turnout is so great on election day itself, that in spite of Trump's hopes that it gets trailed and tailed into the weeks or days ahead, right. is actually not happened. And Biden has declared the winner based on the turnout that day. And everything after that proves that it's the biggest avalanche in opposition to a standing president in the history of the United States. Led, I must say, by the editorial today of the New Hampshire newspaper, which has never endorsed anything other than a Republican in over 100 years. Yeah, but can you admit he... 
doesn't make me not worry about calling the military. There is no scenario. So that it's so obvious. It's so obvious, even to the militia with guns. Even It's so obvious that they say, holy fuck. Wow. I don't know. I, it, he lost. Wow. I see no scenario in which he concedes. Hmm. He will... Even an avalanche. Even an avalanche. Because it's all rigged. It's all rigged. This is all... Well, of course it's an avalanche. Right. It's all rigged. So there's no... I don't know. It's. I'm super nervous and anxious about uh, the future. But let's talk about something else. Or another one. Hey, I have a. I have a. Just like the other one. I have a beverage I've never tried before. It Drink is a. Drink your beer down, friend. It's a cider. Called. These bad times will soon end. Called Ladrón de Manzanas. Ladrón. Ladrón. Ladrón de Manzanas. Ladrón means a thief. Thief. Ladrón is is the bark of a dog. And if you want to make something bigger in Spanish, you put put an on on the end of it. So Ladrón is like a big bark of a dog, which is also the word for thief, which I like. And this is apple thief, cider. And they have, they have a little fox on the as their logo. I don't know if you can see that. Oh, Swiper the Fox. Exactly. Oh, Steals you do them. have a three-year-old, don't you? Yes. yes. And this is a special version called Frutos Rojos, which is like... Uh, Frutos Rojos. Which is like... Uh, red. Yes, strawberries and raspberries. Best flavorful red. So I'm going to see. I've never had well, it's, even the regular it's non... It's a great can. It's a great idea. I'm glad non-red. for the marketing, but I hate fucking cider. I just want to drink fucking beer. I also hate cider, but I thought I would try this on air. Ooh. On air. Ooh. Ooh, it's rojo. Rojo. Oh, it's got a good color. Yeah. Hey, so I went to my Irish bar where I get Smittix on tap. Holy shit. Look at that. Rojo. Ooh, boy. Rojo. Bueno. (laughs) Okay, continue. Smittix. And, And they turn their parking lot into outdoor seating. And uh, we're open three days a week, and they've got on the street, okay. wherever, or you walk. And uh, he's got a big banner up now in the in his little little uh, patch of green that says we're open for business, and unfurling flag that is 14, 16 feet tall. He's struggling, and he says, "We'll see how it goes this winter, and we'll see if we make it." And the place has been a continually open bar since 1846. By far the oldest drinking establishment in Kalamazoo. I probably got these numbers all wrong, but sure, some places in New Orleans that I frequented have, have fallen to the wayside. The saddest of which I want to talk about, and it's a bit of a tribute. It's called Mimi's, and Mimi's is in the the neighborhood that's Marinay on the verge of turning into the Bywater in the Ninth Ward, and there's a little set of businesses on the corner of Franklin and Charters in that neighborhood, and and one is Mimi's, the other one is a coffee house that's been there forever and then there's a restaurant called used to be called friendlies and then there's a place called the silk road that that serves indian food and then there's a newer place called the franklin which is right on franklin obviously and so mimi's has been there for some odd number of years quite a while and had actually an interesting place because it had two businesses in one building both owned by the same owner but the downstairs bar had a pool table a long bar sitting tables etc and had a certain kind of ambiance 
and a drink and a, a food menu shared by the building. And when you went up the back and you went up the back stairs, you went to another bar that was more of an eating bar and had a different ambiance, different artwork, and had balconies that you could look down over Franklin and uh, what's the other street? I remember it in Royal a moment. Street. But Royal, that's right. Exactly. Thank you for that, Google. But Mimi's was the uh, place where my wife and I had some of our happiest, wonderful moments and many other, usually in the upstairs place, but sometimes in the downstairs. And then right up the street, right up Franklin was another bar that had been there for ages that closed as well. And so I want to raise a glass to Mimi's and, and to Mimi herself, who frequented the place, was there a lot, of course, as any uh, small business owner would be, and a remarkably charming woman, friendly, always dressed in a skirt and a pair of cowboy boots, and could always seem walking, knowing exactly where she was going in a small amount of time, because she was a resolute woman, as she would need to be in New Orleans as a businesswoman. And what she did, two blocks from the house on the corner of Charters in Franklin, Kitty Corner from the Friendly, which also just closed after it had gone through its third iteration of ownership, was that Mimi built on her two-story house an entire new third story, which is done in a modern eclectic style, which gave her a view of the Mississippi River, which was only a couple of blocks away, as you can see from the Google map. Crescent City Park on the Strip, on the other side of the, of the barrier, the Mississippi River, that Crescent City Parkway was where we would walk, and we would often come back from that walk in Crescent City Park, cross over Charters, go up Franklin, go in the front door of Mimi's, go upstairs and order some of the best fucking food. Small plates of fucking roasted salmon, mushrooms done in a, a mushroom sauce on a very uh, flaky crust, these gorgeous seared romaine lettuce, mine with bacon and ranch, hers sans bacon, and some marvelous hunks of fish and different vegetarian. It was a fabulous place to go in with a fistful of cash and just have a great fucking time. So here's to Mimi's and Mimi herself. Cheers. Long live Mimi. Cheers. There we go. Bravo. The, the Google description is a bi-level bar draws locals for tapas and beers in a chill, quirky space with DJs and dancing upstairs. <laughs> so we'll post a link. Here a little more. They're a little more pithy than I. It's LGBTQ friendly, which is a nice label for Google oh, to have yeah. on a bar. Jeez. The fact that that's yeah, even it's, it's a great place. And the music upstairs would often be like a, a, a booming beat. Shit that would make you want to move and not too it loud that you couldn't hear each other speak. And the artwork was some very notable portraits of Mimi painted by an artist that had some stunning uh, just uh, capability. And and what was interesting about the artwork is it would show sketches and then it would show watercolor and then it would show a finished product of the same pose. And nice. it was put up, it was like your entrance into entrance, into uh, the the mind and the, the work and load of the artiste. It's weird of you to say entrance and then charters. Entrance. And of course, I mispronounced pronounced charters when I was there because I thought I was being smart and said chartres because you would think it would be, be French right now charters man <laughs> yeah so there's some photos on the story about Nacogdoches right yes there's some photos on Google of uh of, of like gay pride stuff happening Mimis? outside of Mimis yep 
So that those that was also on the corner of Franklin and Royal was a main drag, went right into the French Quarter and, and one of the main streets of the French Quarter. And as that, it was a parade route that n- n- went down right in front of Mimi's, where if you're lucky enough to be up on the balcony during that time or in the Royal, in the Silk Road, which was the other restaurant, where they served shrimp and grits with whole prawns, head on, whiskers askew. Yep. And of course, at the conclusion of the meal, I had to put all five of them on my fingers and do my best rendition of Robin Williams redoing a uh, Johnny Depp of, uh, you know, kind of fingerling thing. But nonetheless, that particular corner, what Edward was Scissorhands? astounding about, what was astounding, yes, no, not Edward Scissorhands, it was June, Ruby, June, Ben and June. That's that when he, anyway, that's Johnny Depp. But what was wonderful about the neighborhood, okay, is that you'd be in your living room. We'd stay right there. A, f- a friend of ours uh, became a friend of ours. Would rent us half of a shotgun house and one block from the friendly, which he used to own. And then he sold. And then he put the, some of his money. I don't know about his finance, but he fixed up this beautiful double shotgun house at on Franklin. And that's where we stayed. And you'd be sitting in the living room, and you would hear a ruckus. You'd hear music. You'd hear revelers louder than what you'd expect to hear from a corner right up the street that had less no no fewer than five bars within two blocks. More than that noise, and you'd go outside, and son of a bitch, there would be, what, a marching band, a crew running by that you did not know, and you'd say, man, whatever the fuck I was doing, I'm not doing it anymore. It's time to Mardi Gras. And go out, have a drink, yeah, smoke baby. a bowl, do whatever, and stand on that corner Partay. in the shadow of Mimi's. Raise your glass once again to Mimi's. Mimi in her own. Mimi, let us know you're okay. In your third story bungalow overlooking the Mississippi River. Send us My a, heart goes out to this one. Send us an email at happyhourdotfm at gmail.com. Yes, that's that's a bummer, man. I've got Well one door one door uh, closes, another door opens. Damn yeah. car. <laughs> I've got a couple TV shows I want to tell you about. Don't know how available they are to you. One is by a stand-up comic who I had really never heard of called Rory Scovel. He's from South Carolina, and like, he probably lives in L.A. now. But he he does this improv. Like He's got set stuff, but a lot of his stand-up is, is improvised. If you look on YouTube, there are sets where it's all improvised. But anyway, he has this TV show called Robbie, which I will put in the show notes, which is... It's about this, it's this sort of, it's like how Louis C.K.'s show was, and a little bit like how Ricky Gervais has his characters. It's a self-deprecating loser type that is just trying to get along in the world. And anyway, it's this TV show where this guy is a, his dream in life is to follow in his father's footsteps and be the local high school basketball coach. (laughs) But he just fails at every turn. (laughs) What a premise. What a premise. (laughs) And and he's just unable to. And he coaches at the local church league, and all the kids there suck. And that's his goal in life. And it's just just a, a beautiful loser with a heart of gold uh, sort of comedy yeah. that I recommend. To say it, and if you're going you're gonna to go to the next one, but let me tell you this. As luck would have it, the theme of a high school basketball coach was on my list of things to talk to you about relative to things I've seen on the tube. No shit. And it, just by way of chance, I clicked on a movie that I've heard about that I wanted to see starring Ben Affleck called The Way Back. And it's about him 
as a former high school, the uh, amazing former high school basketball star in 1993 and 1994, I believe it was the all-conference basketball star who got a, a full ride at Kansas and dropped out for reasons you didn't know until the end of the movie, no spoiler here, and became an alcoholic and a dead-end job. And one day got a call from the local parish priest that said our coach, basketball coach, and the team that has not won it, has not even gone to the finals since you left in 1995, I believe it was. We need a new coach. <clears throat> and he took the job. And it's about, and it's not, there is, there's no humor in it. There's no humor. It is a sad, exhilarating in some places, but a, there is, a, I, want, I should take that back. There, there is a little bit of humor. There's a side thing where because he's just a blue-collar construction worker who drinks all day and then hangs out at a bar all night till somebody carries him home, he swears like a trooper. And he's in a Catholic uh, high school. Right. And the chaplain is over here. He's at a game swearing, <laughs> screaming out, Shoot the that's fucking a ball. bullshit call, you right. fucking pussy. Right. That's a bullshit call. And then the priest, the chaplain having to talk to him, et cetera. There's a couple funny places where he goes into a rage it's swearing like this, and the chaplain looks at him and he says, I'm working on it, <laughs> because his cussing is maybe just an iota less than what it typically would be. Wow, that, that's that, weird. That, you just cued my memory, too. There's this show on Netflix. It's one of these animated cartoon shows for adults, but it's also about a loser high school basketball coach, which is so, so weird. It had not occurred to me to draw the lines here, but it's also... Basically, it's all based on swearing and being an asshole. Like, it's not a it's not a good show, but if you're up for hearing some swearing, that's of The interesting thing about The Way Back is that it, it was filmed during a time, which I think, if I've got the, the time frames correct, it was following the recovery of Ben Affleck, the actor, mm -hmm. through his alcoholism, which cost him, among other things, his marriage. And, and so I wanted to see that, how he did with that. It was... The most touching performance I've ever seen Ben Affleck in. And I've liked his humor. I liked his seriousness. I've loved a lot of the stuff he's done. I loved his Batman. And there is, by the way, a little clip of him, he and Matt Damon advertising for this new uh, thing that they're doing, this charity thing that they're doing, where <laughs> Matt Damon says, you can't get mad at Pattison because he took your job, because you lost your job as Batman. <laughs> <laughs> and he really, he really ribs him, and, and Affleck says, I didn't lose my job as Batman. And Matt Damon says, sure you did. You, you can paint it any way you want, but you've been replaced. It's very funny. Nice. But I've never seen him in something I would call touching complex excellent his bank robber movie was was uh, complicated and complex what was it shot in boston with yeah. jeremy uh, yeah, anyway on and on but this was a different acting from ben affleck than you've ever seen i, yeah, I think he'll get some nods he's rarely touching for sure i will give you that okay so the other thing i don't know if i shared this with you or with, it was with other people this british show called roadkill oh yes we corresponded we about, about it this. and it opens here on november 1 Okay, I've watched, I have all four episodes, I think, and I've watched two of them. How'd you get it? Downloaded it, from... It, it fell off the truck, and I found it in the street. It was broadcast already in England. Yes, that's what I gathered from, so, from anyway, what I caught. We, we, it's we will showing put that, on PBS here. Beginning. Yes, we will put Hugh a bit in that for later. Yes, Hugh Oh, Lord. and I meant to tell you. Oh, and hold on, the, the, the roadkill, there's a lot of criminal justice in it, ah. which is... Interesting. Interesting. Yes. Well, I'll tell you this. Speaking of Hugh Laurie and his comedy partner, Stephen Fry. Indeed. And I may have mentioned this before. I can't remember if I did. That there is a great sit-down talk show with Stephen Fry and Robin Williams. 
and oh, it's this British talk show. Together. Yeah, huh? I've seen. And, huh. and I'll tell you what I'll tell you what it what it did for me, at least in part of it, was that it showed how fucking difficult it is to come on after Robin Williams, number one, and then be sitting there with Robin Williams. Oh, no, yeah, that's two. impossible. You cannot be funny next to Robin Williams. It's it's Stephen okay. Fry. I will look and I must say this, He was out of sorts. He was out of sorts for a good part of the episode. I only tell you that because I know you're a Stephen Fry fan. I am a... Stephen Fry was uh, Hugh Laurie's best man when he married Joe Green. I believe it. They... Which is maddening where there's a little thing on my feed that meet Hugh Laurie's wife, Joe Green, and it goes through this whole fucking thing and links to all these fucking links. Never did they show you a fucking picture of Joe Green other than in the come on. Which, you know, it's fuck you. God, what house? What are you? That's just stupid. No. Why wouldn't you give me a link it's or really show? Cl- no, what am I going to do? They're getting Why? paid for each one of those clicks. Oh, they send so, you a so, thing, so, so. and if they can so get you to click on the next thing, you want. right? Uh, okay. So as the longer trail the thing can lead you down, the more money right. somebody makes, which is fucking stupid, but that's the way the internet is. I also wanted to mention this weekend I introduced my kids to a classic Oscar-winning film, many, many, many Oscars, called Titanic. And what a terrifying fucking movie that is. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a horror movie. Like, oh, the, it's, the water it's is getting higher and higher. And it's horrific. It's, it's, and, it, and the fact that it's more or less based on reality is not helping. I think more. I think more rather yeah, yeah, yeah. than less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the demonization is clear. Yeah, but, the yeah. love story is all bullshit, but the fact that so many people died in this particular way is pretty much uh, given. And anyway, I, I learned several things recently in the last year about Titanic. And one of them was that the reason that it did so well at the box office was that some stupid percentage, like 15% of the tickets sold, were to girls between 11 and 14 because of the love story because of leonardo oh oh, oh and yeah. apparently girls that age at that time many of them saw it in the cinema like eight or ten or twelve times oh like, really that's that's why it, it like it wasn't individual girls it was uh, so, some girls right. that saw it a whole bunch of times and spent at that time two hundred dollars or whatever to see that film so many right. times because sure. there was just this this social phenomenon of oh my god what a gorgeous boy this is oh I mean how old was he at the time he looked sixteen he was probably eighteen or nineteen I would imagine but and it gorgeous was amazing, he was for sure oh yeah uh, but what a yeah. character it, however winning passage in a poker game it, I loved it. Yeah, it, it was good. I it was it, it was a, a decent watch again. So the the song Celine Dion, who who sings the the most famous song of a, of an amazing soundtrack that was all over um, the place during that year. It was all over the yes. place. But it's never What's in the, the name of that. It, it's never like the music is in the movie, but the lyrics are not. Maybe in even not even yes, like, during the credits. Right. In the when she is and the head of the ship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His guy yes. is, the right? music is there. That's when the music. That's when the music soared without the tune. But here's a fascinating little connection with that, and something that happened two days ago, and you Do can tell. clip this and put it in show notes, is that the current 
I don't know, let's see, he's probably the current number three golfer in the world, Justin Thomas, uh -huh. was playing at the Zozo Championship, was in a semi-residential area. And as he was hitting a nine iron, 161 yards to the hole after gorgeous drive, one does. of the residents was playing that song. And he had to not only go get through his emotions because it was at the tail end, which he ended up losing. He ended up coming in third and he had it in his grasp, but he also had to play through her singing that tune. The name of which is what? You find that My quick? love will go on near, far, wherever you are. <laughs> I don't, somehow I don't, somehow I don't near, think it's far, quite Wherever that. you want. My heart will go on. It's the newest. And what's the sound like? Well, hold on. Let me get the lyrics up here. Every night in my dreams, I see you, I feel you. That is how. That doesn't tell me what it sounds how I like. Know. Sing it. Across the distance, sing it. Between us, near, far, wherever you are, I believe the heart does go on. Once more, you open the door. You're here in my heart, and my heart will go on and on. Yeah. But What's more Canadian. Like? More Canadian. I can only ask you for like six fucking times. You're giving me the lyrics. I'm asking what it sounds like. I can't hit those Sing notes. It. You can't. Can. Sing it in your own tone, in your own voice. Go ahead. I just Come did. On. You can Here. do it. No, you just said it. Far. Yeah, that's. I don't, on, know the, I don't know the. Been, it's been 25 years since I heard the, the, the song on the radio, and I haven't heard it since. Gracefully. But yeah, it's, it's a put it, put tragic it fucking movie. Room. Put put the sound clip in the chat room. We got a minute, and we're well over an hour anyway. You can edit this out later. Yeah, got nothing better to do. What's the name of the damn thing? Name of the song? My heart will go on. <laughs> My heart will go on. My heart on will go. No. You're gonna sit here and listen right, to it too. Let's I got to, because I wasn't coming through there. Oh, fuck. How do you, let's see. Can you hear that? No. Thankfully. How come? Because it's in your headphones. It's really complicated to get output of your computer to be also included in the input that you send over Skype. It's not easy. Which it's is why. not easy, apparently. Yeah. So. As we're closing... Our episode of Happy Hour as we're ending our time alone. I'll sing you a fable that makes you feel able. It'll make you stand upright like a dog on a bone. You can excel in your life. It's a dirge. It's a dirge. I can see why you wouldn't want to sing. <laughs> Good evening, Dennis. I will Good see evening. you next Good week. Next, next week, we'll talk about my costume for Halloween. Ooh, will be a headless man carrying his own head uh, through the crowd. A dead from COVID-19. The head will not have on a mask. There's your problem right there. That's why you died. Stupid fuck.
Good night. Ow. Okay, that does it for episode number 82. You can find the show notes at happyhour.fm slash 082 with all the links to movies and TV shows we said. That entire first season of Robbie is available on YouTube. You can help us make this show by going to patreon.com slash happyhour. And please vote. Clearly, we are all terrified. And we'll see you next week. 